In this episode of Investors and Operators, I sit down with Kevin Stark. Kevin spent over 20 years in the SEAL teams and is currently the Director of Coaching at Arena Labs. Kevin, it is awesome to have you on here. And I would love to start off with, what do you coach at Arena Labs <laughs> and what is Arena Labs? Yeah, thanks for the, the intro, man. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Um, Arena Labs, basically what we do in a nutshell is we extract a lot of the performance frameworks, tools, and mindsets from multiple different um, disciplines, the military, the performing arts, um, athletes, sports psychology, and we make them relevant to healthcare. So what we do is we take these human performance truths, if you will, and then we filter them and distill them and give them to folks in frontline healthcare. So clinicians, whether that's you know doctors, nurses, administrators, folks that are operating right now in that very challenging environment who have spent a lifetime focusing on their technical skills, um, but haven't been given the same training and frameworks that these other communities have and how to actualize their own potential. And then also actualize like a high performing team and leadership. So we're bringing those concepts to them. Um, number one for you know, to help prevent burnout before it becomes burnout, but then also to just thrive instead of endure. You know, healthcare is like, hey, it's just a, a tough job. I carry my weight and that's the way it goes. You know, the old school mentality, military was the same way 20 years ago. And it's like, well, there's a better way. You know, it's nothing wrong with being hard and being tough, but how do we learn and have a, a performance mindset. So now that we're thriving, right? We see things as a challenge yeah. instead of a threat. So super rewarding. Well, I mean, on that mind, on that point about endurance, uh, I have also learned that you are a slow and steady ultra runner. Very slow. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we have that in common. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of races do you do? Uh, you know, I dabble. I, I would say I'm not a an ultra runner. I like to do ultra marathons once in a while. Um, I've done 500 milers and a couple of 50 milers, a few um, adventure races, like multi-day stage races, which are super fun. Um, man, for me, it's just a way to explore the inside a little bit without getting too ethereal. It's just, I think everybody wants to be tested in some way um, just to make sure, okay, I, I still have I still have what it takes to um, to transcend something physical or something mentally challenging. Uh, yeah, so well, it's just really rewarding. Well, let's double click on that because I was in New York this week, and at seven a.m. I was gonna I went out running with a, a friend who is a partner in a private equity firm, and then one of our uh, mutual connections through Fifty One Vets. Um, he's like, I want to join you. I was like you know, we're waking up in four hours, right? And so we get there and right at 7 a.m., he just comes sprinting there. I was like, you look, you look good. You look fresh. He's like, yeah, I didn't even sleep. I'm ready to run. <laughs> so we had a 51 Vets event the night before. He just went straight, uh, straight out from the night and straight to running. And he, uh, he hadn't run more than a couple of miles like in years. And we ran, you know, seven miles at a nine minute pace, which was like, 
how is how is he here? <laughs> and then he had something really, you know, actually quite profound in which a good reminder is like, man, every day, like he's like, even though I'm out of the teams, I legitimately keep this this mentality of like every day you're in your trident. And so I was cu- curious, kind of like, you know, what you know what that has kind of meant to you throughout how you think about coaching and the the teams that you work with, and maybe that mentality. No, I appreciate it. And I love it. It reminds me of younger days as well, right? Before you learn the, the value of uh, performance rest. Um, well, I, I totally was like, man, oh, okay, I get it. But seven miles and you haven't done this? Like, let's see if you walk tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's cool. Um, you know, the big thing I, I focus on is how you show up for what life calls to you. I, I think a heavy influence to me is, you know, Victor Frankl, um, man's search for meaning and, and the will to meaning and how, you know, sometimes life just calls on us and, and we might not like it, but we still have a choice in how we show up. And a lot of times we can still get a lot of meaning out of something, even if it's, we didn't pick it, uh, or even if it's challenging or devastating in how we show up to an event. Um, so a lot of times we coach is, hey, in healthcare, you know, or even just other venues in life, you know, you're going to encounter events that are super challenging that, that call into question your ability, but they will never call into question your values and how you represent them when you face something, right? Nobody likes getting punched in the face, but people do like saying, I can take a punch and I can, I can do so with xyz values right with courage with you know humility with discipline so really getting people to acknowledge like hey you might be not be doing something you like a la my wife wants me to go dig holes in the backyard to plant a garden but i can choose how i show up to that event so i think one of the big things we coach is you know living your values and being aware of them first of all and then choosing to live by that code, if you will, even when things are really crappy. How has your value set evolved? Mm. And I ask that because in 2016, when we started our first business and we're in the first year, you know, I had five or 10 values. And I look back on that list five years ago, I was like, man, a couple of those has changed. (laughs) Am I not a value centered person, mm-hmm. but then I just realized, no, they just, they, they evolve. But I'm curious to kind of hear your journey of what values have kind of really persisted. No, great question. And that's the beauty of the human journey is we are constantly changing and evolving, right? Sometimes whether we know it or not, and the fact that we can identify values like you did and say, this is relevant to me now in what I'm pursuing in my life. And then take a look back and say, what do I need now as far as my values? Because those values will guide behaviors and those behaviors will be relevant to me pursuing passion, pursuing purpose. And so making sure that's in alignment. So having that sanity check on yourself is super critical. And I would say the values that I had when I was you know, 18, 19, going through SEAL training to the values that I have now as a 42 year old father of three, you know, managing um, life and everything else, uh, quite different. There might be some that are the same or maybe in a different hue, but I think it's healthy that we examine our values, right? That's the self-awareness piece and say, hey, is this still relevant? Does this still matter? Do I want to face life 
with these values or do I need to make a little change? And that's totally fine. Yeah, it makes me think about this week when our, our, our team sat down for a couple hours and we went through what our values actually are and are not, or ones that are primary and which ones are secondary. Mm-hmm. And you know, now we have a list of 10, but we need to chop that down to you know, five or whatever we can actually all remember and then have as a, as a, uh, a basis to really keep each other high performers. And you know, as opposed to uh, Jing and I who run the, you know, start and run the business, you know, here are our values. This is what we do. Let's, you know, move on, you know, really exploring that journey together um, so that they feel like they're like are truly part of something as opposed to, you know, just checking in, checking out. We want to share in this journey together. But one of the things that we created was this uh, people analyzer, which I think is part of the EOS traction system and, you know, minus plus minus or plus for each value, but then adding, you know, commentary for each one, and then truly having thoughtfulness around uh, evaluating each other with a spirit of helping each other improve. And that time together was, you know, I think has been probably the single most valuable meeting that I've had this past 12 months was that two hour part of our offsite when we only talked about our values. Um, it's funny you say that we had an offsite recently, our company as well. And this was probably the most impactful and meaningful experience we've had. And we didn't spend hardly any time going over the X's and O's of tactics. It was all about the X's and O's of how we show up for each other. Um, you know, we're probably going to be in a job connected to each other in a very transitory timeframe. So people might be at 51 labs for a couple of years here and there, and then, you know, we move on. What I really want to make sure of is the people that work together at Arena Labs, like we'll look back on that experience and say that was developmental in nature and it expanded my ability to live by my values. Yeah, the amount of importance the- we put on each other is very, very high. And one of the things this is making me also think about, which was really interesting for, for me, eye-opening for me was that one of our values is creativity, but my version of creativity is different from another person's. For example, I value visual creativity, like in a video that we produce, but another person might have a process creativity. And I was like, oh, I, let, I didn't even think about that. Yes, that is creative. And I didn't see things through your lens. Um, but then also going through to see that there are just different perspectives on each value, but as long as we know what those examples are, so it actually has meaning behind the value as opposed to a generalization that nobody really understands, doesn't have any meat on the bone. Yeah. Um, let's, let's think through the, maybe one of your 500 milers and <laughs> can, can you please share a dark moment that you can remember from one of the 500 milers that you had and, and what you were experiencing in the pain cave and kind of how you got through that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, first thing that comes to mind was uh, the Bryce 100, which is in Bryce Canyon in Utah. And one of them, my, one of my really good friends and I ran together. And unfortunately he had to 
drop out at the 50 mile point. He was starting to cough up blood a little bit. I think he came in with a cold, so he wasn't doing so hot. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. I'll head out by myself. And I started developing some really strong Achilles pains. And I remember going into, I was about mile 90 and there was supposed to be an unattended aid station and an aid station in an ultra marathon. You typically have some water and some snackies, you know, just to like refill your water bladder and move on. And I had run out of water quite a ways before and it was super hot out there. So I was starting to like go inside and not in a good way. I was like feeling a little sorry for myself. Like I really need to get some water. You know, this is BS. Why didn't I carry more water? I'm super thirsty. I'm moving at a walk. <laughs> and I was pissed off because I was moving so slow. And I come down in this gravel road and I see the little aid station up there. And it's one of those fold out tables and it's got a little orange Gatorade cooler on there. And I'm like, all right. And I tip the little thing over to fill up my thing and there's no water. And, uh, you know, that in that moment, therein lies the opportunity for choice, right? That event happened. Whatever, however I appraise that event is totally up to me, right? I can say, oh, the water's empty. I'm going to approach this as a challenge and say, okay, what do I have on me? What's the next aid station? How do I need to approach this distance to finish the race? Did I do that? No. It was like a bunch of four letter words and like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I'm out of water. This is crap. This is going to be miserable. And my appraisal of that event then affected my mindset, right? And my emotions, because my emotions followed that appraisal. And it was just, you know, a slog after that. It wasn't, you know, a, I'm going to persevere through this. So that was a failure on my part. And I remember crawling in, limping in the last few miles and, and kind of ho-humming at the finish, but I was glad to finish. But looking back, it was like, hey, I, I need to approach things differently. And that's one of the things we talk to people is it's super important that you recognize you have the ability to choose what label or choose how you appraise an event. And that will then dictate based on your values and who you identify as a person, how you approach that event, right? If you label something a shit sandwich, you're going to treat it like that. If you label something as, hey, this is, this is an opportunity for me to test myself, you're going to approach it way differently. And as a leader, your people will see that immediately and they'll follow either your best self or your not best self. So that was a, that was a low moment in reflection for me, but ultimately a growing moment, right? Well, that's fascinating because when you look at what you experience through SEAL training and then mm. through deployments, that how does, how do you, I mean, I'm assuming you probably faced a similar situation or many similar situations then. And then that muscle of how to, you know, that muscle of how to um, react and the questions you ask yourself, like when you are faced with that type of challenge, like, how do we develop that enduring type of muscle for that particular type of situation? Because like, oh man, I faced this literally 20 times before in my life. How am I still reacting the same way to this? Or is it just that you learn how to observe it and assess it better? Or how do you get yourself back to, you know, how do you get yourself back to recognizing it and, and dealing with it effectively? Great question. It all starts, I think the foundation 
is self-awareness. And, you know, we spend so much time taking this massive horsepower that we have upstairs and focusing our attention on the world around us, all the stimuli constantly coming in and reacting to everything. Very rarely do we take time to take that massive source of information gathering and turn it inwards. And if we turn it inwards and we take some real intentional time to examine ourselves, how do we see ourselves? What's the identity you know, piece that we carry with us, which we acknowledge is constantly evolving, which is great. Um, that's gonna really affect how we see other things. And then it's a practice, right? Performance is a practice. It's like any skill in life, everything. I mean, training for triathlons, right? If you don't train and you just go out there for an Ironman, you might survive it, but it's really going to hurt bad. And you don't want to survive. You want to compete. You want to actualize your best potential at that event. It's an opportunity to, to showcase yourself to yourself. And when we're going through life and appraising these events, right, even if we do it in hindsight, like I did on the race, like, wow, I really sucked and screwed that up. That's a valuable lesson. That's a treasure I can take out of my past experience and apply it forward. So that self-awareness piece, how we look at things, it's just a practice, just an intentional yeah. practice of like, how am I going to show up and meet the day? How am I going to appraise these events? It's, it's hard, but it's even 1% better is way better than you were yesterday. When, um, when you look at the different clients that you work with, you know, and coaching them, um, what's the, what's the 80, 20 here, you know, what are the 20% of common things that you find and what's the 80% solution? Wait, did I get that backwards? I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dyslexic. It's okay. My wife over there is laughing at me. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> You know, you get the idea. <laughs> um, a lot is just what we talked about, appraisal. How are you appraising this event? Take a minute and then decide, is this how I want to appraise an event or a stimulus, right? Like you pick, you pick, right? So that's important is you have a choice. Oh, I never thought of it that way. You're right. You know, that's a huge, when people say that, I feel like mission accomplished. I've done my job. If someone says, I never thought of it that way. I appreciate that. It's huge. So giving people the opportunity to show up with a choice and just reminding them of it. Like I'm not giving anybody everything, anything they don't already have. Right. And that's another thing is everything that you need, all of like, <laughs> I, I think people are like warriors of the light. Right. And how you get stronger is you transcend difficulty, challenge, uncertainty, by maintaining the light and you come out the other end and then you share that value with others, right? The hero's journey. That's when people acknowledge that within themselves, that that's another inner strength that gives them the ability to stand up tall in the face of adversity, right? I think that's super important. It's like, I'm not, I might drop some Tony Robbins nuggets on you, maybe, but it, it means nothing because you're the one living your life. Like all of the excellence is already within you. And I think that's super powerful for people. So that would be the 20% the impact is like, you're a badass, just going to rethink about things a little bit differently. That's all. I love it. And I think this is actually a good place to 
conclude part one of this. <laughs> I want to do multiple parts with you because I, I think that there's so much to unpack. And I think in the next episode, I'd love to hear kind of what are some of the enduring principles that you got from 20 years in the SEAL teams that you have applied, mm-hmm. um, you know, things that you thought you would apply, but nah, listen, I forgot that after <laughs> month one, after I got out, not applicable, but the other things that truly help guide you throughout your career, uh, active duty, as well as now and what has transitioned to your coaching. Um, but I, I think I want to, you know, really stop here because I would like people to really marinate on this idea of when the stimulus is coming, how to first recognize that it is happening. And then mm-hmm. secondly, to your point of choosing how you're going to respond to that. And in that moment of choice is where you decide what you're going to become from that and which direction you're going to go. Yeah. yeah. So Kevin, I really appreciate you taking the time for this and I cannot wait to do a part two together. <laughs>